Welcome to The Step by Pop Sugar, a podcast for and about unstoppable women presented by Sorel Footwear. I'm author and speaker Levy Ajayi Jones. Last season, we heard inspiring stories about amazing women who stopped at nothing to achieve their dreams. This season, we're celebrating bold, brilliant women who stand up for what they believe in, fight for the greater good, and help their communities take the next step forward. Join us. Before her 18th birthday, JoJo had sold more than 7 million records worldwide. In fact, she's the youngest solo artist in history to top the Billboard 100 chart. When that happened, she was only 13. Then, she seemed to disappear for a decade. After the success of Get Out, JoJo's label Blackground refused to release any new music. I wasn't able to move forward because they couldn't put out music on me, but then I couldn't get out of that deal. I was told that from many lawyers that I should just go to college and focus on a different career path. She was trapped in a contract that effectively silenced her until she fought back and won. Now she's making sure the next generation of musicians won't go through what she did. Jojo, welcome to The Step. Thank you. (laughs) It's so weird to hear my bio like that. (laughs) No, I always like reading people their bios because we have a little bit of discomfort around our bios, don't we? I, I guess so. Yeah. I, I, so I'm not the only one. You're not. You, you're not. Yeah. It's just a little strange to hear like your your life or career summed up in 30 seconds, but that is the cliff notes. So basically you are a truth teller and I value and respect people who are those, that, that particular um, virtue. I do have a truth tattoo on my uh, what is this? Is this my palm? Like the, the side of my palm. I'm looking at it right now. Really? I got it when I was 18. I just felt compelled. I, I'm a Sagittarius and we're the seekers of the Zodiac. And I, I'm nothing if not just kind of recklessly honest with how I feel and what's going on. And I, I do want to speak truth to what's, you know, to, to in, injustice everywhere, I guess. I, I don't know if you can hear um, like some squeaks in the background. That's my dog. She's just having a good old time by herself, just FYI. <laughs> all good. All welcome. <laughs> so you're speaking to another truth teller. So I, I feel you on a real level. I'm a Capricorn though. I'm on the cusp. So Oh, when's your birthday? December 20th. <sighs> when is ah, yours? January 5th. January 5th. My dad was a Capricorn. And wow. yeah, are you, do you consider yourself pretty emotional? I don't no. know if it's different for women and men. I think it's different. Okay. I know a lot of Capricorn women, like Issa Rae is one. We are very much kind of stoic in a way when you let us, but we get emotional if we feel like we lose control of something. <laughs> mm, I mean, I, I can relate to that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But the Capricorn men I know have been so emotional. Really? <laughs> Anyway, you know, it's funny. I actually don't know that many Capricorn men. So I actually can't even speak to Capricorn men, but I know a gajillion Capricorn women. So you started your career at a very young age. Your mom was your manager. Yes. There was fame. There was money very quickly. What was that like? That was exciting. I would say that's the word that comes to mind because we came from a small town in Massachusetts and lived all over New England. We moved around. And my mom was a church soloist and cleaning houses for a living. So it's not like we grew up in this show business family or experience or anything like that. But I grew up watching Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and Shaka Khan and Aretha Franklin on television, you know, watching Divas Live and 
dreaming of being up there one day, dreaming of singing for, for an audience. And I just, by the time I was 12 and I signed my record deal officially and then put out my first album at 13, I was like, whoa, it's about time. Cause I've been doing this my whole life. So like, I, I don't remember a time where I wasn't singing or where I didn't know that I wanted to do this or where I didn't feel like I was different from the, the kids that I was growing up with because they weren't like laser focused like I was, you know what I mean? And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful. It was a really unique experience for sure. And I'm glad that my mom was there to hold my hand through it all mm-hmm. um, until I was 18. And then I was like, get away from me, you know, because I just <laughs> wanted to have my own space and make my own mistakes. And she, she had really kept me in a protective bubble, which I now in retrospect, I'm appreciative of because she protected me from predators and, you know, substances and excess and yes people and all the things that can come along with fame, especially at a young age. You, you managed to handle it relatively well. Like I, I knew leave, get out. Like I, that was my jam. That was like my, I'm in the house by myself song or in the shower song, make it seem like I can sing. (laughs) I love You managed fame really well. I don't even know if that's, if that's a, I take it as a compliment, but like, I don't know if that's a thing, but I appreciate that. I kind of wish that I was nicer to my mom, but I was also a teenager. Mm. You know what I mean? And I I had an inflated sense of grandiosity, I guess, because we did come from such, you know, I was like, we're we're able to travel the world and do this thing because of me. You know what I mean? Mm. And, 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 And now I'm like, oh my gosh, what a little shit. What a terrible... Just, but you know, teenagers are assholes. I think it's like a it's like a rite of passage. It is a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. It was it was crazy though. Like ha- having that experience at thirteen. First album at thirteen. Second album at fifteen. And then, you know, we had amazing success with Too Little Too Late, and um, which was the first single off the second album. And um, I, I got to, I got to live my dream. And and the fact that I. Still, 17 years, almost 17 years into my career. Wow. I'm not even 30 yet, and I'm still wow. living my dream. And it's so priceless. It's so amazing. I don't take it for granted now more than ever because wow. I have perspective on it. For you to not be 30 yet and you've been in the industry for 17 years is actually wild. It, it was it was really cool when Brandy and Monica did their verses, and oh, Monica and Monica yes. was talking about recording her first album at twelve, and I and I just kind of was thinking about the, the similarities as like what her experience was, and everybody was talk, telling her how grown she sounded and acted and all that stuff, and I, I just remember people saying a similar thing and wanting to be grown and wanting to like get over being a, a young teenager because I was almost like embarrassed to be so young. You know what I mean? And now, now I finally feel my age. Like I've caught up to my actual age at 29. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I have some experience under my belt, but I'm also super young, but I'm also like old enough to know better and to be grateful and to not be the little shit that I was when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, we thank God for growth. Um, we thank God. <laughs> we thank God for growth. Okay. Cause listen, and I love the fact that you brought up Monica because yeah, Monica's had a grown up voice. Since yeah. she was 12, you've had this booming voice since you were 13 and people just didn't realize how young you were. 
when the record label serviced the first single to radio, they didn't have a picture of me on the front. They just wanted the song to speak for itself, which is really cool. And it's probably done differently today when a, a new artist comes out. I, I don't know exactly what that process is, but they, you know, sent a CD or an MP3 or however they sent it in 2004. And I think that was part of the appeal or the selling point was that I was this barely 13-year-old girl singing this singing this hit song, that, that, that this really sticky, infectious song with this like grown up message. So it was kind of cheeky and like almost funny, you know, but I'm just, I'm, I would have never, ever guessed that that song would have changed my life the way it did. And it's, it's cool to sing it today because at 13, I hadn't told anybody to get out of my life and it's like, <laughs> what? So now I've been I've I've been on both sides of like infidelity and heartbreak and I've had had some life and now now I can sing that and really understand what that emotion is about like leave me alone <laughs> look necessary <laughs> so you were silenced as a as a fellow creative the worst thing people can do is silence us and you were somebody who your career your purpose was based on using your voice you ended up in this major legal battle with your label background. Can you tell us about that? It was such a confusing and sad time for me because I had such a close relationship with the people at the label, especially when I was young, um, when we were just starting out. It really felt like a family. The production company I was signed to was called The Family. <laughs> and background and the, the company, it was just like we were, these were my father figures and uncle figures and brothers. And I love, I still love and respect them dearly. I, I wish it didn't have to go down the way that it did. And um, essentially, and I don't want to speak about it too much because I've talked about it, you know, for, for years now, but they were no longer a functioning record label, but they wouldn't let me go. So I was caught up in their, I was kind of a casualty of what they were going through business-wise. Mm -hmm. And their business dealings and how, how things had panned out. And I wasn't able to move forward because they couldn't put out music on me, but mm. then I couldn't get out of that deal. I was told that from many lawyers that I should just go to college and focus on a different career path, whether that was acting or, you know, they were like, you're a smart girl. You know, I know you want to go to study sociology, go do that. And I was and of course, there's nothing wrong with that, but telling somebody who's already in their career right. and already on a path, that was really devastating and, and I just couldn't accept it. So I really fell into a, a depression and a lot of negativity because I, I felt like my career was over at 20 years old because I literally was just told, you can't get out of this contract. It's impossible. Wow. Um, they're, they're, just, they're not going to play ball. And I'm, I'm thankful that I, that I didn't listen or that I didn't accept one person's opinion or, you know, or several lawyers' opinions. Yeah. We, kept, we kept looking around and found a loophole and I was able to get out on the grounds that you can't hold a minor to a personal service contract for more than seven years. Mm -hmm. And I had already been in that contract for almost 10. And um, yeah, legal stuff is, is so obviously so binding. So when you're a minor and you're in a contract and it's ratified by the state and there's a guardian ad litem on it, the court doesn't want to say that they made a mistake mm -hmm. in approving that contract. That you know, But I'm, I'm really thankful for 
my litigators who took the time and poured over it and believed in my future and just and just me as a as an artist altogether. So it took it took a long time, but the trajectory and the learning experience that I got from it, and I think the grit that I developed over over time and what I can now impart to other young artists um, about resilience and about yeah. not giving up and about belief and focus and, but I would say overwhelmingly resilience if you want to be in this, in this game, in this industry, you know. Yeah. Recently, we've been hearing a lot about people's legal battles. You know, a lot of people see the art don't understand a lot of the things that happen behind the scenes. And, you know, we've seen with Kesha, like really public legal battles around contracts that aren't fair, equitable, or just. Um, what do you, what would you tell an up and coming artist that you wish you knew when you were 19? Well, for me, since I signed my contract at 12, it, th- that that is a, a different situation because you're literally a child. So right. you, but at 19, when you're signing your own contracts, and especially if you come from a more humble background, like, like how I did and didn't have anybody to really go to and like show me the ropes or like have my back or look out for me and my mom. You know what I mean? What I would say is that it's really important to come to the table with some sort of your own leverage. So I think it's really amazing that now you can build your own fan base, your own brand. You can make your own money using social media and taking advantage of that and speaking directly to an audience and growing your fan base. And I think coming to the table with that, as opposed to just thinking that a record label is going to change your life and put all these opportunities on the table and like be your savior or whatever, or pluck you out of obscurity. I think you really need to be your own, the captain of your own destiny with that, especially today. It's not viable any, any other way. So, because that's what people in power will do, or that's what industries, that's what systems will do. They will take advantage of those who don't have any leg to stand on or don't have their own leverage. So if you're this person who's coming from obscurity and no experience, change that, meaning get experienced, you know, research and, and build up your own hype as much as you can. So you can say, hey, I have these number of streams independently I have th- this number of followers and I have this body of work created and it's so good and it's so thorough and here's my team and I'm coming to you already fully formed as opposed to looking for you to tell me who I am or how I'm going to do this. I, I, th- th- that might sound like a lot, but I, I, there's so many examples of people who have gone the independent route and then if they want to partner with a label down the line, then they're in a more empowered position to do that. Absolutely. And you created a label called Clover Music. How are you using it to fight back against some of these unjust practices that you even dealt with? Well, I wasn't going to sign another record deal in a traditional way. I wasn't going to just sign myself to Warner, for example. So Mm -hmm. I decided that I wanted to get into a joint venture situation with them to where I would have my own entity, Clover Music, and it would be 
a profit share. I would put up my own money for some things, but I would also have access to the machine of the major label, which I still believe for me personally in the type of international pop R&B type of act, if you want to categorize my music, I think you could still really benefit from that system that's already been in motion for a long time. But then you have the independent spirit of what Clover is bringing to the table. And I also have the ability to sign artists to me and to have it be something that I can grow with and something that I can see other artists realize their goals and their dreams. And I, I've yet to sign somebody because it, it's going to, it's so meaningful to me, right? like wanting to do the the right thing by, by people. And I want to, you know, in 2020 has been obviously the strangest year that any of us have ever gone <laughs> in through life. in life. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm not in a, in a rush, but that's certainly a goal of mine to, to grow as, as an executive, as an A&R, or as somebody who's going to be instrumental in other artists' career as well. So Clover gives me the structure to, to do that, as well as have, have this partnership with Warner financially and creatively. You've done a lot of growing up in these 17 years, and you are not shy about talking about, you know, mental health and all the things that come with being a, an artist, being a woman in this world. What was a turning point for you in terms of making sure that you had your feet solid on the ground? I think there's been, there's been so many turning points, and I'm so grateful for my mom and our relationship and how it's evolved over the years and how we've gotten closer as I've gotten older and can have more like perspective on how amazing she truly is and how we all do the absolute best we can, or maybe not everybody does, but I know my mom did. (laughs) And I'm so grateful for that. And um, my mom has had her own struggles with depression and and navigating life and um, having her to talk to about the way I was feeling, the, the way that I was acting out based on depression and anxiety, how it was manifesting, Mm -hmm. how I would engage in behaviors that I wasn't proud of. She helped me to not feel so alone or ashamed. And yeah, I I think my, my friends and family, and then, you know, friends who become family have held a mirror up to me and and helped, you know, encourage me to, I started seeing a therapist like when I was 19 or 20. And so I've been on that journey of introspection and excavating things and and figuring out why I repeat certain behaviors or, and there was a a time where I needed some, some help, like some chemical assistance. And I got on an antidepressant and I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't feel any stigma. Yeah. And I know that not everybody has that experience. Like there can be pushback and stigma, whether it's from society or family or culture. And um, I really am thankful for that. And I've just tried to find a way of living that that feels good because life is never going to stop coming at us with these waves that you you just like, you know, they're going to come, but sometimes you don't know how big they're going to come. And we all need a little bit of a, a life preserver sometimes. So whether that's working out and getting those endorphins. We're going to take a quick break before we hear more from Jojo. Your outfit is about more than looking good. That's especially true of your shoes. Your footwear should be as unstoppable as you are, which is why Sorel Footwear has designed powerful shoes for those who get things done. From sneakers that move you around town 
to boots made for weathering any city storm, or your next night out. Sorrel Footwear is made to power you forward. Yeah, what is your, I gotta get away from the world practice or, you know, your self-care practice? What is it? I actually just got back from Sedona. I Ooh. rented a, a room in this woman's house. <laughs> actually, not a room in her house, but like she has this separate little guest space. And I like getting out of LA every once in a while. Right. And what's cool about living on the West Coast is that there's so many different little trips you can take, whether it's like you go to Palm Springs or Joshua Tree or Mexico or Northern Cali, or you go to the beach, like Santa Barbara, wherever. So I am uh, I like to just get in the car and go somewhere and kind of be closer to nature, get to the water. I wish I was a more consistent meditator, but when I am, <laughs> when I am consistently meditating, it's such a game changer. We know it's good for us, but it really is hard to stay consistent sometimes. That's me. It's, it's me too. You know, it's like, oh, I, I really just want to sleep in for those extra 20 minutes or I fall asleep at night before I end up doing it. But That's definitely me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I download all the apps and I'm like, okay, the plan today. Yeah, the, the best of intention. Best of intentions, but the road to hell is paved with it. I'm like, <laughs> definitely didn't make it happen. Ooh, I, and I always feel bad because I didn't make it happen. <laughs> Right. And then, and then it's this cycle of, damn it, I can't, I can't even meditate. I can't even do something good for myself. Like yep. 10 minutes, of course, you know, but that's not helpful either. So, and that would, <laughs> that would be something that meditation would help us shed as well. Yeah. I, I just, I do try to, when I catch myself doing things like stupidly multitasking, like eating while watching TV and looking at my phone, I, mm -hmm. I do try to break the, that, that habit. And then do, you know, if, if I have the time to do one thing at a time and that helps to alleviate some anxiety that can build up when we're just so stimulated because we're the most stimulated generation. We're constantly getting information. It's like constant information overload, but we're so used to the information overload that when we don't have a lot of information, I'm like, what do I do with my time? Yes. Slowing down is such a, um, a, a practice and, and it can really feel weird. When I was in Sedona, just a few days ago, I was, this is going to sound like so woo-woo and Sedona hippie-ish, but when I was there, I was like just sitting in the silence, like on a, on a mountain, and I got tears in my eyes. I was just like, this silence, first of all, is so loud. The mm -hmm. silence is literally mm -hmm. in every orifice, and I just, yep. it's overwhelming. Because I've just been to Sedona. I, it is peaceful. Right? What did you do there? So we, I went a couple of years ago with about 10 of my friends. We rented this like amazing Airbnb for like four days and just sat there in the mountains. And we went to the, what's that like Canyon? It's not the Grand Canyon, but it's the place where everybody goes and takes pictures. You know that place. Oh, the, the one where it, it kind of looks like the inside of a, a woman's like yes. vagine. You know exactly <laughs> right? what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, we went, I think it was probably exactly like three years ago. And we just went to get away from, from people and, and work for four days. We just sat there and it was so good. It was so good. There's something about the Red Rocks and obviously it's known for its vortexes, vortices, I guess is the plural word. And there's something so healing about being in, in that place. I love it. I'm so glad that you went and that you went with your friends ahead and got to have that experience. I normally just go there by myself. Okay. And um, so I'd love to take my friends there eventually because 
it's just been such a like a game changing place for me where I can read and go to the creek and just drive and I I love it. It's my special place. It's just special. Every, everyone needs one. I agree. Everyone I agree. needs one. I really hope everybody listening can can carve out that place, whether it's even just a a corner in their room that that gives them peace and they have a special pillow that they sit on and that's where they read or whatever or you know they 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 face the sun and say their prayers in the morning or whatever it is like or they have a little patio or balcony like even if it's not far i i, right. I just i hope that everybody can can carve out a little place of peace because you deserve it like it, we we need it especially in this stimulated society that we're in <laughs> this dumpster fire of a world <laughs> dumpster fire that really is what it feels like it is a trash can but <laughs> we we gotta we gotta make it through it and keep fighting and and get to the other side because i feel like we are in the storm before the calm i like that we're in the I storm like that. before the calm i mean i believe in things everything is cyclical yeah. and the yeah. and there is yin yang and, or is it, I don't know if it's ying or yin, but you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. things will, things have to turn. They have to. And I hope that we'll, I hope that we're in the midst of that, you know, of things not being such a hot dumpster fire of chaos. <laughs> we, we will know we have gone through life boot camp after 2020. Like we will be able to conquer and climb mountains I mean, I, I, how are you feeling about 2021? Because I don't think that once we, once that clock changes over to 1201, that things are, oh, relief, sweet relief. Now we're good. Like, I think we need to, you know, we need to buckle up. I, I just think it's yeah. going to be a, a challenging, this is just a challenging time for everybody. And I, I feel so deeply for, for everybody right now. Like, it's just so hard. It is it is really hard, which is why I'm always interested in finding out like how everyone's taking care of each other because it just feels more urgent than ever to have practices that bring you joy. Because my goodness, we we're recording this a week, no, a day before election day. You know, just yes. so people know, like we are sitting here, <sighs> not sure what is about to happen. And you have a new album out, and one of those songs is actually the official anthem of the Biden Harris campaign. So crazy to hear you say that. It's, um, <laughs> this is actually a song that that stands alone. It's not on the album, um, but Diane Warren wrote this song and <gasps> asked oh and called me one day when I was coming out of the grocery store, and I see Diane's <gasps> name on my phone, and I'm like, "The Queen of Songwriting." I'm like, "What?" And um, she's she's absolutely crazy nuts and, and hilarious. So I always know that it's going to be a, a funny conversation whenever she calls me, but I, I would have never known that. I could have not imagined that, that it was going to be uh, for, for this. And when she told me that it, it would possibly be the campaign song, if they ended up liking it, I was like, say less, just send me stay the song less, right fam. now. <laughs> say less, fam. And, and I went to the studio the next day and the song is just so inspiring and it's not it's not just about politics because I think we're all pretty grossed out with politics in general. Yes. I hate how, I hate how partisan and, and divided we are. And personally, I just feel that we need a new, we need an actual leader who will take a clear stance on what is wrong 
what is right on what we represent as America, uh, what mm-hmm. we should represent as America, that and part? really get us to a place where we are not so isolationist, we are not so divisive. And I don't know, it, th- that seems like an insurmountable order. You know what I mean? It really does. But we have to, we, we have to make sure that we're, we're heading in that direction. Like, we have to start right now. And this song, it, it was just so moving to see that song be in the commercials for the campaign. And it just made me cry. Like, it, it speaks to the power of voting, how we have to look within ourselves that everybody's individual voice does make a difference. Yeah, it does. It's when we and it's I, I used to really not believe that. I used to feel like my vote didn't count and like this was all bullshit and fuck it all. You know what I mean? Yes. And and the older I get, the more how how disrespectful and irresponsible that that way of thinking is. And particularly with this election, I'm just really passionate that I, every single individual really really matters and I think that's why we're seeing I, – I, I think that a lot of us are shifting our mindsets with that. And that's why you see that – what is it? 93 million people have already cast their vote Which or like 93 million nuts. more than – yeah. And it's it's a lot of my generation and younger. And I'm, I'm really proud that we're voting our values. I, I, I hope that we see – at least the, the result that I want. I can't speak for you, but I... Look, look, I will lay prostrate. Like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm like, what do we got to do? Oh my goodness. And people with big platforms like yourself, you know, the being compelled to use your voice for change. How do you, even beyond this election day, how do you commit to, to using your voice for continuous positive change? I commit to following my heart and mm-hmm. and and speaking to that and wanting to learn more and share what i'm learning and engage in conversations and even maybe getting involved with aligning myself with politicians who are standing up for the things that i want to see which is i want to see better education here in America, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, more money being allocated for development as opposed to incarceration. And I want to see actual equality. I want to see, you know, our constitution, not just be words, but I want to see everybody actually be able to, you know, live under these promises. And yeah, I I don't like, I'm not a politician and I'm, I really don't know I'm never interested in being like, I'm not equipped. I don't have that. It is a thankless job. Oh my God. Like God bless them. It's, (laughs) but it's like, God bless AOC and the way that she's dedicated her life. Shout out to her. She's so bomb. But, um, more than anything, I, I just, I, I think I want to make music that will make people feel good, make, you know, and, and hopefully be a bridge because that's what, music can do. When I look out into audiences at my shows, it's so moving to see people from all different walks of life, all different races. And I imagine religious backgrounds and sexual orientations coming together. And that's what I believe America is and can be. And, you know, all types of representation and inclusion and equality. And I want to be a part of that, of more of that. So... That's really it. And I'm, and I'm really proud to see fellow artists with massive platforms trying to, to walk the walk and not just 
quote unquote play safe. There's just no such thing as playing it safe. Like no, we that's it's not an option. It's not even a thing. It's not even a thought. Like you have to choose. What do you stand for in 2020? Who are you? I think play, safety safety is one of those um, illusions in that when we play it safe, mm. what we're really choosing is the status quo. And mm. if that's not serving us, we've got to fight for better, which is where we are. Right, right. If if you see and believe like I do that the status quo is not acceptable, then your silence is not acceptable. That part, okay, that part, that's clutch. All right. I mean, you know what? That's a good way for us to move into our next segment. It is time for our signature segment called Follow My Lead. And this is something that I do every episode. I'll lead and all you have to do is complete the next three sentences. Okay. You ready? <laughs> yeah. I feel my strongest when? I just completed a workout. I know that's quite literal, but. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a workout. I'm a exercise delinquent. My personal trainer is currently looking for me. <laughs> I, I, I got really nice and like toned for my wedding. And then afterwards I was like, well, I think I'm done here. Oh, I totally understand what you're saying. And congratulations, by the way, Thank you. on your that wedding. Was, that was a year ago. I have not seen oh. this man in a year. <laughs> <laughs> You've been busy and it's been a weird year. Yes. But like, I just, I do feel my, my best and not just physically, but mentally and emotionally when, when I'm in a routine. So I need to get back on it too. Cause it's been too long. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. I want to step up when, when I see injustice. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. When I feel like I can't, I, <laughs> I was about to say don't, <laughs> um, but, but, but it's not true. When I feel like I can't, I show myself grace and I really ask myself, why do I feel like this? And should I? Just because I feel like I can't, should I push myself here? And then if the answer is is really yes in my soul, then I do. And and if the answer is like, I feel like I can't, and it's because it's not appropriate for me to right now, like like I, I shouldn't push myself, I should actually, you know, stay in bed and like have a, a day or whatever. But for the most part, when I feel like I can't, I give myself a pep talk and I do. I just want to honor the fact that you first started with, I don't, because <laughs> often we will push ourselves beyond limits because we've been told just go, 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 go. But there's something to be said for stopping and saying, why do I feel like this? Yeah. Che- checking in and being like, who am I trying to prove my toughness to? Or just what am I really doing here? Right. And and is this feeling here because it like... I should listen to it or because I'm being, I'm, you know, or I'm scared. Hmm. Is it because I'm scared or is it because I really need to lay down? That's it. That's it. Okay. So that was follow my lead and I have a few final questions for you. What makes artists unstoppable? Hmm. A commitment to being unapologetically themselves and a connection with their fans I would say that fans, uh, a community, that energy can really make an artist unstoppable. I, I can relate to that because if it weren't for the people who have supported me over the years and made me feel like even while I was going through a hard time that I couldn't see th- the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. in, they made me feel like there was a reason to keep 
going and that if I put out music, they'd be there and, and they have and they are. And I really think it's fans who who give us that lifeblood and that that force. I'm looking at um, Mariah Carey's book on my yes. table right now and the relationship she has with her fans really makes her unstoppable and all the incredible heights and different valleys that she's gone through. It's her lambs that have that have given her the strength. Agreed. And dedicated lambs who have started playing her songs after thanks, uh, after <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's and, Mariah and Carey season. That's right. That is just the cutest and Absolutely. so powerful. And what advice would you give to those who want to take a step forward for their communities? Make your intentions, say your intentions out loud and, and maybe talk to people who you know aren't going to poo-poo your desires mm -hmm. or not going to hate on it or not going to speak from a place of fear, but find like-minded people or read about people who have come before you and see how they moved and maybe model some of their actions and see how you can apply that energy or those steps to your own journey. Because everybody's is going to look different, but there's nothing wrong with looking to history to see what's been done, what's possible, and then use it to your own, in your own story, I, I would say. So find your dream feeders, not your dream killers. That's so good. I wish I had said it in that perfect, succinct <laughs> way. Find your dream feeders, not your dream killers. Yes. yes. They got to pour gas on your dreams, not water. So that's so good. You know, I think that's important. And then I also want to know, what do you want people to say when you're not in the room? I want them to say that she is authentic and that she makes me feel good about myself. I want to make people feel good about themselves and to feel seen and heard and appreciated. I hope that they say that I'm present. I really care about people and their, their stories and I hope that they can feel that. And um, I hope they speak of my kindness. I love that. I love that. And I think you're already getting people to say that. So thank you so much for your openness, for your gift. Because my goodness, that voice is truly a gift. Thank um, you, lovey. And I'm so excited to see where you take it and the music that you create and the person that you show up as on your platform and in any way that you feel possible. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your beautiful questions and your lovely energy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to Sorel, making powerful footwear for powerful people. You can find the Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, share with friends, and tune in next week.